is for anything. B for baby blue. C is classy, clams and clogs. D for doggy doo. That's two. E is easy. F for flange. G for gallon. H for ham. I for idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Jerry. K is kooky. L for lads. R for ladies. Lads, lads, lads. M for mummy. N for knock knock. Who's there? P P who? U for ugly, V for Venus, W for W, X is hard to comprehend. Why can't I just reach the end? Z for zebra, zinc and zany, baglioni, zip, zucchini, zoom and zoom and zipple into the alphabet is really cool. Ends for, ends for, ends for, ends for, ends for. On your marks, get set, go. Ah! <laughs> yes, well, I thought that I should do periods just because we all have them. Yeah. I actually um, don't. Okay, brilliant. Sorry. Brilliant way to start. <laughs> Tell us more, Gina. Sorry. Uh, just like, get it cleared up. My coil means I don't have a period and I haven't had one for eight years. Wow. Is it? Is it? So nothing at all? Nothing. Not even a little And what happens? Smatter. What happens hormonally for you? I don't even know. I've really lost track at this point. And okay. I used to kind of enjoy my periods. Not to the extent that I wish I had them. Like, don't get me wrong, it's quite easy not to have them. But I did used to like the kind of sense of being grounded in something. Yeah. But so now I, I guess if I'm like in a bad mood, I have no idea if that's related to something. Well, I was going to ask you if you can remember your first period. Oh, yes. Like the day I was born. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was Come on. The day on you were born. <laughs> That's not right. (laughs) Mine was on the day that Saddam Hussein was hanged. Oh my God. (laughs) The way you say that. (laughs) That's like you knew I was going to ask that. No, no. I just, I I remember the day, I think, because of that. Yeah, yeah. It was in between the Christmas and New Year's of whatever year that was. Because that made me feel a bit funny. You were maybe a bit older, weren't you? I was a late bloomer. Mm, Me too. I think I was 14. It was a few months before my 15th birthday. I was later than that. Really? How late we're talking? I think I was pretty much a year later. I think I think I was still fifteen. I could have been sixteen. Ooh, that is late. I was a real late. late were you star. like very, willing very it late. on? I don't think I was. I think we've spoken about this before on the podcast. But then when I hit puberty, my body really changed. It didn't really bother me at all. I think there was like so much conversation about it at school, and some people thought it was a bit like. Weird, but I played loads of sport when I was younger, and apparently that's quite a common thing. That if you're like incredibly athletic, you might start your periods later. Ah, mm. Interesting. I think I was. It was either just before we went on DV or it was on DV. Oh Christ! Duke, Duke of Edinburgh. Duke of Edinburgh. Is this the you're sort in, of camping? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like outdoors. Oh god. Yeah. Would you call it outward bounds? I would call it outward bounds. <laughs> out, of bounds. out of bounds. <laughs> um, I think I remember being a bit like freaked out by it, maybe. Sanitary pads and D of E. Oh, oh fuck. God. <laughs> yeah, not good. I remember on it like a sort of school equivalent camping excursion and they took us up a mountain to camp and then pulled out something called the poo tube. Oh, yes. Which if you were to do a poo in nature, you had to essentially use a doggy bag tie it up and then pop it in the poo tube, take it back down the mountain so as not to litter. And I'm imagining if you had, you know, your sani pads, yeah. your tampons yeah. up a mountain, mm. they'd have to go in the poo tube. Well, we didn't have a poo tube. <gasps> so, so somewhere on even... a mountain. No, but I, we, I think I just, which is quite 
gross. Just rolled them up, stuck them in my bag. Your poos? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> my poos. What did you Not do with your poos? I didn't poo. <laughs> For how long? I think it was the, the longest one was was four days, maybe <gasps> three nights. Ooh. That was gold, but I think the, the period one was silver. <laughs> would have been silver, so that was two nights, three days maybe. And I didn't poo, but other people were, and I don't remember the use of a poo tube happening. I think people just like pooed on the headland. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, Gina, that you used a poo tube. Oh, no, I know I didn't. It was oh, <laughs> the truth no, comes no, no. Out. It was only a one night. It was like I had it was same. a school trip, yeah. and then we were all Marika would have done the same trip. Yeah. Then you were taken up a mountain for one night to be like, "This is what it's like in the wild." Okay. Except it's absolutely not because there's a poo tube that you're going to take away with you, and obviously no one used the poo tube because everyone could hold on for one night, apart from one girl who just. It's <laughs> always one. There was all. It was always going to be this she pooed one directly into the tube who. <laughs> <laughs> had to use the poo tube. Wait, but what was your first period? Oh, my first yeah. period. My first period symbolically was the day before my 13th birthday. Mm. And I remember just having like really very bad pains in my lower abdomen, but didn't realise. I just thought it was fart, a trapped fart because I'd spent my whole childhood dealing mm. with such matters. <laughs> and then um, I remember like just going to the loo and realising what was happening. And like my whole body was shaking. I, I felt like so sad and disgusting as well. Yeah. I just felt embarrassed and ashamed to say it had happened. Yeah, it does feel embarrassing. It definitely does. It's it definitely feels like this thing yeah. that's like put on you. It's like how people describe what it was like having really big boobs when you were 13 or 14. It's like something has been put on you that suddenly means the world... Sees, sees you differently yeah yeah which is life but, but it's intense when you're 13 and you're yeah. just like Ugh. which is so tiny still really if you think about it what a period is for why yeah. do we still get them now when we're 13 well we didn't used to back in the 1800s you wouldn't start your period until quite late into your teens but the average age of people getting their period is 12 now why what? i think they think it's to do with mostly improved nutrition Although I would say that our nutrition is probably worse. Well, no, but as in we eat more crap. We have more fat cells and the more fat cells you have, the more estrogen you have in your body, which is more likely to trigger your menstrual cycle. God, it's like yeah, you've researched you this. Yourself, you don't, you, lo- you, you stop yourself having your periods. But also yeah. could, there, could there potentially be a world in which that maybe people didn't admit it until much later? Maybe, because it was it seen hidden, as yeah. it was dirty. dirty. But difficult to hide. All those rags. There was very raggy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a raggy time. It was very, very raggy. raggy. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I don't live in a raggy time. Golly. Imagine shoving. <laughs> Although sometimes, you, you know, you forget a tampon and you've got to whack some loads of loo roll in your pants. Yeah. Yeah. Same, oh, we've all done muchness. it. I'd always opt for the... Sort of mummify what? the gusset. <laughs> oh, around the whole thing. Oh, yeah. that's very clever. Top and bottom. Yeah. I've never thought of that. Yeah. I sort of mummify my hand and then take it off my hand and put it into that's my gusset. That's what I do as well. That's what I do. Mummify the gusset's quite a good band name. Mummify the gusset. Mummify the gusset. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great record name. Oh, album number album five. Number Gift five. to you from me. <laughs> It's hard to follow that. I don't really know where to go from there. (laughs) 
I will have to say thank you to Eliza Bell on this podcast because she taught me how to put a tampon in. Oh, that's God, very nice. I remember, I remember we were on holiday in France and uh, I wanted to go in the sea. Although, apparently, being in water, which I actually did know, but because of the something to do with pressure means you stop. If you're on your period, you actually stop bleeding whilst you're in the sea. Right, I can believe it that. sort of holds it. Because I remember yeah, bathing when uh, before I used tampons. It honestly took me like two years to figure out where my vagina was. <laughs> I used those little Hang illustrations <laughs> in the tampon packets. Yeah. They were so confusing. Oh, in terms of the angle of getting yeah, it out Yeah, and it, would, it almost yeah. implied that your vagina was like on the front of your mons and all you had <laughs> to do was sort of do the splits and I just found it really confusing Ooh, anyway. doing the splits down onto a tampon. <laughs> <laughs> it just took Word me a watch. really long time. Yeah. <laughs> so in the time that I still did not know where my vagina was and wasn't using tampons, I remember having a bath and... That is true. I think if you're in water, it's not like you're just free bleeding. Because it's yeah. liquid on a liquid on a liquid. Yeah. Similar well, density. You know what? I've actually got the fact for you here. The pressure from the water you're in counteracts the gravity of blood exiting your vagina. Mm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You'd have to have a pretty fearsome float. <laughs> it would have to be like forced out. But then... Like if you, if you sneezed, out. would it come out? Maybe. I think, but I remember, I think we're going to have to do some testing. I remember having... <laughs> come on, girls. Come on, girls. Bath time. <laughs> Imagine all of us hopping in the bath. <laughs> would like ridiculous. <laughs> what a disgusting. Oh my thought. god, that would be so silly. <laughs> but I can remember going swimming at school. Everyone always used to use periods as a reason to get out of going swimming. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really get that because you could just pop a tampon. Well, up they there. can't tell you to use tampons. No, that's true. We not, actually not did have that does. talk. We we all would just skip swimming, and <laughs> yeah. then one of our PE teachers, Sonia. Sat, actually, Sonia came up to me and said. Uh, you had your period two weeks ago and you've got your period again today. And I said, yeah, I just, I just started. I'm really irregular. And she's like, okay. And just didn't want to hear any more. Fair enough. And then the other one took us all into a room together and was like, girls, a lot of you are using your periods as an excuse. You can use tampons. There are these small ones called lilettes. <laughs> was that Helen? Yeah. <laughs> we were all... Dressed to the nines with tampons. But we just I, didn't, I didn't start wearing Dressed tampons. Dressed to the nines with tampons. For a while. Wearing tampons. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I was well, I scared used, of it. I, w- I would really only use them when I wanted to swim. Yeah. So you were you a keen swimmer at school? I did love to swim. But it was more, it was often to do with being at the beach. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't want to miss out on going in the sea with a bit of a beach I feel like babe. in terms of any place to loose your period, the sea is probably a really good one. Yeah, but then when you get out, you've got blood uh, pouring down your legs. That's true. Which well, I have to stay in there for a bit longer. Swirl oh, it around. Into, until my cycle's over. <laughs> it's not constant flowing. No, I know, but... God, uh, my but... first one was. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Well, it was like the longest and heaviest period I ever had. Interesting. And it was... Um, I wonder what would happen if I removed my coil, but it oh, was yeah. about 12 days and it did feel like basically constant 12 oh my god days. Yeah. that's long it was yeah. exodus horrible <laughs> that's yeah a lot sh- for your first time yeah very much so I'm trying to enjoy my 13th birthday oh that is unfair actually and you're just ble- bleeding willy nilly yeah well no fanny wanny <laughs> she's proud of that one listeners <laughs> If you could see her now. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's nice to just talk about our periods, isn't it? Isn't it nice? I suppose I do have some facts. I did read an absolutely horrifying fact, actually, which I will say, that 
It's a very, very, very rare condition, but there is a rare period disorder that can cause bleeding out of your eyes. What? Known as vicarious menstruation. This rare but terrifying condition makes you bleed from organs beside your uterus like your eyes. That sounds like it was made up for a film. It does, doesn't it? It sounds very horror film-esque. Now, ladies, when we menstruate, do you know what's going on? The mm. womb lining. There's an egg flying around. There's an egg flying around. There's womb lining There's some flying hormones around. hormones triggering things. Yep, yep, yep. There's, yep. yeah, womb lining flapping out. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially like making a pie. Yeah. An egg pie. Oh! <laughs> scotch egg. <laughs> oh, it's quite like a scotch egg. <laughs> Minus the breadcrumbs. Yeah, well, speak well, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know surprisingly little, actually, about something that happens to me every single month. There are four phases of your menstrual cycle. Menstrual phase, which is the first phase, which is when you're having your period. So that's when the egg that dropped in the last cycle, when it hasn't been Mm fertilised. So then the egg is flying around. Uh (laughs) Um, So there is an egg. There is an egg that was dropped. Yeah, that if that egg doesn't get fertilized, you then have a period. Right. Because you haven't got pregnant, so the levels of estrogen and progesterone in your body drop. Your uterus lining has been thickening, getting ready for the egg. <sighs> and then when it doesn't get fertilized, your hormones drop, your body recognizes that you no longer need your nice thick uterus. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, it's quite gross. Slash cosy. The thing but, I like about her, yeah. she's got a really thick uterus. Yeah. Um, but it sheds ute. through your vagina. Yes. So that's phase Not number one. Not for me. Not for <laughs> me. Out of your eyes. Yeah. You've got vicarious <laughs> menstruation. Yeah. And that's when we get all our things like your tender breasts, oh, your cramps. I hate the Your hooves are your cramps. Your cramps. Oh, God. Your back pain. I get uh, such bad back pain. I used to get that as well. Horrible. You're bloating, your headaches, your irritability. Mm. It's just absolutely And And it's endless. PMS, pre, pre and post, right? Pre and post, yeah. Now I get quite bad ovulation pain. Oh, that was a newbie for me in the last like four years. Yeah, me ovulation too. Ovulation pain. Me too. I never Bizarre. used to have that. I was like, ooh, cruising through, you know, two weeks in. I'm feeling great. This is the best bit. And then it's like, no. Yeah. Have some pain. As like well, <laughs> mad pain for like one or two days. Yeah, is yeah, that because really we're kind of heading towards geriatric? Yeah, that's I'm, horrible. Well, we're already very cl- we're very close, yeah. aren't we? We're already we're oh. over fifty percent of the way through our eggs, aren't yeah. we? Oh god! And we're born with all our eggs. Yeah, Everyone knows eggs. that, but yeah, that thing that we were inside our grandmothers. Yeah, because oh, all yeah. all of our eggs were in our mums. Sorry, <laughs> we were our mums had all their eggs. Our mums had all their eggs. <laughs> See, we were one of them. Yeah, we were all in a chicken coop together. That's yeah. really cute. It is really cute. And that we were just sitting inside mum for her whole life. I know. That's also really cute. I've never thought about that before. Not dad. Not dad. No. Naughty dad. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty daddy. No. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't mean that. No, no, no. Then you have yes. your follicular phase, which also starts on the first day of your period, but ends when you start ovulating. And that's when your hypothalamus signals to your pituitary gland, gland, <laughs> gland, like your grand pituitary gland to release five to 20 small sacs called follicle. Mm. And each follicle contains an immature egg. So, so immature. you're actually releasing quite a lot of eggs, then only the healthiest egg will eventually mature and that one gets released. 
the rest of them get reabsorbed into your body. Just like... What? So there's like flying saucers? But they're not... They haven't matured into eggs. They're just like little cells that come from these sacs. And then the, the ones... If it's not healthy enough to become an egg, it just gets like reabsorbed. So we don't have all our eggs. We have all of our cells that can become eggs. No, we do have all our eggs. Hmm. I heard that an <laughs> egg is the size <laughs> of a full egg. stop. They're yeah, it's the pin, a pinhead. You can see them on a finger. Yucky. Really? Yeah. Or something about it. Like caviar. Loads of eggs inside me does give me the willies yeah. a bit. Does it make Cl- you feel clusters. like a fish? It makes me feel, which I am. Like all of our bodies are designed for like processes and functions, but it makes you feel a bit like that's just what I'm here for. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't like thinking about fertility because it makes me feel meaningless. It makes you feel like you don't have an identity beyond just being an animal. Yeah, true. But also in some ways nice because it really brings us back down. Yeah, it's true. Back to earth. You yeah. guys are very, very deep thinkers. <laughs> Stage three. <laughs> Stage three is the ovulation phase. Rising estrogen levels during the follicular phase trigger your pituitary gland to release another hormone called luteinizing hormone or LH in the uh, science community and that's what starts the process of ovulation which is when your ovary releases a mature egg which is the healthiest egg that survived from the first the phase that we just went through down the fallopian tube it comes towards the uterus getting ready to be fertilized by the sperm and then if it doesn't you get your period so is that the point at which people who are trying to conceive are advised to be yeah pounding it so did you say pounding it didn't you say <laughs> no? I said, <laughs> yeah. You you have people's fertile window, which revolves around ovulation. Is happens normally. You're like fertile, like it depends, but maximum five, and then minimum two days before ovulation, and then on the day of ovulation. So there's really only like a maximum seven day, six so you day do window. You have to be pretty unlucky to accidentally get pregnant. Yeah, you do. How? But also, sperm can hang around, can't it? Like, I think it's even kind of on your... Or just after your period where you're like, I'm not in my ovulation station. Mm. It can linger. And then when your egg does get dropped, a sperm can still be like, yeah! Classic <laughs> <laughs> sperm. That is exactly how a sperm would sound. Yeah! <laughs> 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 Obviously, a really common theory about periods is that women sync up. Mm. And there's really no scientific evidence to support it. And actually, it's been like actively debunked by. But it's so but it true. But it's so common. And it happens. Just because science can't prove it doesn't mean it don't happen. Yeah, true. Yeah, it means they just haven't figured out how to prove it yet. Yeah. The, the one thing that they think, all the studies that they've done have mostly been on just a group, a test group of women, but it's usually women reporting it with other women that they're close with or that they live with or they share space with. And there is a theory that the pheromones that we give off can trigger pheromones in another woman that triggers the start of the menstrual cycle. Do you think that's competitiveness? I wonder if it's a way of preventing people from sharing sexual partners slash fathers of the... That's exactly it, Gina. That's when when they... (laughs) There's a woman... (laughs) There was an anthropologist that hypothesized that it was an evolved strategy among females to cooperate with each other to to stop becoming a kind of harem for a single dominant man. The idea is that if women had synchronized cycles, they would all be fertile at the same time. So, oh, kind of the opposite. So oh. one man would not be able to re- reproduce with them all. 
Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But so then like, surely he just then it's just like a buffet. Well, he's They're only all got, ovulating. Well, he can't manipulate all the females at the same time, so that's why it was. That's why it was believed to be a form of cooperation he's got like between a week. females. He's got a week to get through them all. Yeah, but they're all going crazy because they're on their periods. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think. I think that's a great <coughs> hypothesis. Well done, me and yeah, this well other woman. <laughs> because then also, yeah, I just think the women are less likely to be eyeing each other up, kind yeah. of competitively. It, Chills That's everyone what I out by a bit. competitive, as yeah. in not like I'm going to get my period first. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And I'll leave it there. It's fascinating. Yeah, that was really great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Jelly. My pleasure. So I'm going to talk about playing cards, which actually. When I was researching, I did find quite interesting for a time, and then I got bored. Um, so perfect, can't wait. I'm just going to kick us off with a wild little tidbit. So the number of different. Oh, so I'm just talking about like a, a classic 52 playing card deck, the one that we know and love. How we kind of got there. I'm not going to do like I don't know Pokemon cards or whatever. So the number of different ways to arrange a single deck of 52 cards is greater than the number of atoms on Earth. No. Yet, which is. Eight with about 67 zeros after it. <gasps> I checked that because I was like, what? And it is more than the amount of atoms on Earth. I would have even thought it might be infinite. No, it's not. That's not <laughs> a fact. <laughs> well, it kind of feels pretty infinite, yeah. I suppose, that number. So that means even if you shuffled a new arrangement every single second, it would still take millions of years to cover every combination. And that every time you pick up a shuffled deck, it's almost certain that the exact order of the cards in your hands has never existed before and will likely never exist again. That is so cool. Isn't that amazing? Those humble little 52 cards. That's amazing. So smart. So yeah. smart. I wonder if he or she who uh, invented them knew quite what they were up to. Yeah. Well, I don't think they did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because there isn't any real definite history because it's they go back a long way and they go through lots of different iterations. And also because paper is a rather fragile thing, it's quite hard to get history on them because they will have just... Frittered away on the wind. Frittered away on the wind, exactly. But I have found as much as I could for you sweet ladies. So here we go. These are me, the cards. Um, (laughs) So there was card games going on in China in the Tang Dynasty, which is pre-AD 1000. That's where the lottery came from, do you remember? (gasps) Gee whiz. What, Tang Times? I think it was Tang Times. It was definitely China. Mm. I guess this makes sense because the thinking is there were games like Dominoes and sort of Mahjong and stuff where they would make paper versions almost of those. They're not like the playing cards that we see today mm. and they were often used for betting and gambling and sometimes also they think it they were actually, your betting stakes were on the cards as opposed to them being playing cards. So yeah, that's where the first evidence comes in of anything like that being used, which is a very long time ago. Yeah, it really is. And then there's records in the um, Mamluk period, which is sort of like from 12... Why are you looking at me? Like I know. I just never heard of Mamluk. It's for about twelve fifty to. <laughs> and 50. she has heard of everything. <laughs> you bloody have heard of everything. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't believe I just, this. I don't think it's correct. No, 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 no. 
That's about 1250 to 1517. So in this time, I'm thinking sort of around at the end of the 1200s. Um, this is in Egypt. And they have found evidence of actual like decks of cards which have goblets, gold coins, swords and polo sticks on them. What fun. What which fun. is to represent the main interests of the Mamluk aristocracy. Mamluk? Is that how I pronounce it? Is it M-A-M-L-U-K? Yeah. I'm going to say Mamluk. Mm. All right, I've then. never heard of it. Um, <laughs> it's like a group of, I think, slaves that created like a whole empire in an Egypt area during that time and kind of rose to power is what I did look at briefly, but I didn't write it down. You're under no pressure here, babe. No. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just have a nice time. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first time we see sort of like suits of any kind. And then in 1371, there's evidence of cards in Spain. And then within the next 10 years, they've sort of spread across Europe. So Italy and Spain had their quite kind of military-based suits. They both had swords, clubs, cups and coins. And the Italian court cards would have a mounted king, a seated and crowned queen and then a knave. And the reason that the knaves got called jacks later on is because you can't have two Ks because that'll get confusing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Spain didn't have a queen, no ladies. They also didn't have a ten. <laughs> um, and their national... What is Spain playing at? I don't know. Not cards. <laughs> well, not they're cards. playing this game called ombre, which also <gasps> means they didn't have eights and nines because they're not in that game. So it was actually a 40-card deck. Okay. All right, do what you will. Yeah. So those were those guys. And then as it spread, the Germans introduced their own suits classic Hugo Boss which were <laughs> very good oh she's um, they were more rural f- sort of vibes so they had acorns leaves hearts and bells oh I, I love it that. oh they, my god that is so sweet is that so is lovely nice. and actually I really recommend dear listener that you look up some of these beautiful old German cards with their acorns on and things they're very Gina it is really a bit of you I'd love some playing cards with acorns on and the bells the bells are um, the bells the bells are hawk bells because <laughs> they like doing falconry oh, so they're not just wonderful. any old bells they're, oh, little, they're little bird bells oh they are <laughs> little bird bells I'm very much looking forward to a Google later oh yes please and let me know how you find it Michelle. they also didn't have a queen though Boo, mm. just all men and the and two acorns. replaced the ace as the highest card so it was a 48 card so that's like. the Germans that did that that's the Germans so who brings in what? the bloody queen the two being bigger than an ace thing well no that would be just it's more who did the ace being the high thing ah uh, yeah that's true because the ace is one yeah oh it's so an ace is not trad bigger than a king no but it became that way and I think that was to do with um, taxing stuff like way later on mm. that's when the, the, particularly the ace of spades garnered much more reverence Anyway, around this time, Germany became the dominant producers because they would they started doing like woodblock printing as opposed to hand drawing all the cards, which I is what they I were was before. In like God, ye oldie Germany, it is a raggy time though. It is a raggy time, David. <laughs> yeah, but this meant that those German suit symbols became the kind of dominant ones in Europe. Those right. lovely rural ones, and then around 1480, the French decided to simplify those German shapes. So. The acorn became the, now, Jelly, correct me on my pronunciation. Is it like a, a trefler? God, you know what? <laughs> Which is a clover. Okay, yeah. A t- trefler. Well, kind of, I guess it's probably like, does it spell similarly to truffle? Trefle. It's like trifle with an E. Okay, yeah. 
Sounds oh, nice. say it again. <laughs> no, no, you did it perfectly. Um, so that was the acorns turned into that. And I think you could kind of see that as well as maybe like an oak leaf shape. So we're not making cards at all at this point. Um, we're playing with everyone else's cards. Okay, yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely classical. So, sorry, that was the acorns turned into the clover. And then the leaf turns into a pike head, so like a spearhead, which uh, is peak. Peak. Good. The hearts. And then... Um, Caro, caro, how do you say that with a on it? Very hard. Uh, which is paving tiles. So those became those very simplified forms. They also divided the four suits into red and black for the first time. It's into two reds, two blacks. So that hadn't happened before. Oh, yeah, of course. But is. because um, it was all much more simple, that meant that they could now be produced with stencils, and it was like a hundred times quicker than anything else. So of course, those then became the dominant cards, and that's the ones that we still see today. And the French also brought back the queen. Yes. yes, yes, queen. Yes, um, queen. And also, so in the late 1500s, the French manufacturers, they started to give the court cards, they actually are people. They're real people on the cards. They're not just a random depiction of a king. A lot of them I didn't really know. They they come from like the Bible and other big classics. Um, <laughs> and all those other big classics. Other such classics. You've got Alexander the Great is the king of clubs. Um, Julius Caesar's the king of diamonds. Wow. Um, the queen of spades is Athena. Oh, Jack of fun. diamonds is Hector of Troy and the jack of clubs is Sir Lancelot. Oh my Lord. I did not know any of that. Yeah. We used in England, when we started manufacturing cars, we, used, we took those simple French shapes and we changed the names. So a heart is obviously the, the the same, but the peak, the spearheads became spades, but that's from the Spanish for espadas, which means swords. So it was actually a different symbol. Oh, interesting. That they've like chopped across. Oh. Um, and that's why we call that symbol a spade. Oh, that's cool. And um, similar sort of thing with the clubs, because Spanish had, they actually had clubs as one of their symbols, as in bop you on the head. Um, but we used that, for the clovers interesting yeah so it's kind of like a hybrid and then diamonds it obviously is the shape of a diamond but it's it's a tile which should technically we should have called lozenges at that time because that was the name for those tiles so it was kind of a bit rando and sounds like we just didn't really translate anything very well well i think it's because we were probably still using spanish decks as well so it was kind of just like a mingling in Mm. but yeah and now we th- those are very much the names for those symbols now, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what about the Joker? Mm, what about the Joker? So the Joker came in way later in 1860 and it was the Americans that did it. Classic. Because the national card game of America around this time was called Euchre. I've never played it and I tried to look up the rules, but... I've never heard of it. Looking up card game rules is probably one of the most soul-destroying and boring, like, <laughs> eye-ripping out of things you can I just never understand. Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. Um, and if you can't understand them, I don't think we've got a chance. No, and I don't. I can't tell you how this game is played. I th- it's something alongside a kind of bridgy, wisty kind of thing, if that means anything to any of you. So, yeah, that's when the Joker came in because they're, they're vital to that game. So mm. they just added the jokers and then they kind of got incorporated incorporated into other games as well i would have thought they would have come in around the court times me too because of like jesters and stuff exactly Mm. fascinating and there was also there's been stuff about how maybe all card decks are derivatives of like an original tarot deck but that's kind of been disproven which obviously would have had the fool in it and everything oh yeah um i think tarot actually came in later and was 
just not used in the same way at all. I just thought the Joker was there as some kind of um, booby trap. Booby trap and also like a suspicion. I'm pretty unadventurous with playing cards, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't be open. I believe shit is actually really fun. I'd like to get into it. I think in my older years... Bridge I, is yeah. coming for Oh my us. God, yeah. my parents absolutely love Bridge. They love it. How do they know her? (laughs) (laughs) Such a a wheezy joke. Oh, also, this one's good. In 1875 in America, this is when they invented squeezer decks, which is the first time they started putting the numbers and the letters small up in the corners so that you didn't have to fan your cards all the way out to play. So you could see what you were dealing Uh. with without giving away your hand, particularly when gambling and playing poker. And that's very late that that came in. Yeah, it is. It's a really good idea, isn't it? It's a very good idea. Hang on, now I'm trying to picture, is there the number in every corner of the card? Isn't it top and 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 bottom? Yeah, it's on your right hand and your bottom left. Right, right, right. Isn't it? Or left, top left, bottom right. And then you have the diamond or the club or the symbol on the opposing one. And then one big one in the middle. There's something in the middle. In the middle, it's the, the symbol. It's the symbol times the amount it's of the card. So the nine of diamonds has nine diamonds in the middle of it. Oh yeah. Oh, does it? It has nine as well. Oh nine. Di- oh wow. <laughs> Bloody <laughs> hell! Nine diamonds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! <laughs> I don't think I ever realised. Really? Yeah. Come on, because it's been as Ace has just got the one in the middle. Yeah. And then you've got the two, top and bottom, th- three, And it only goes line. up to ten, so I suppose it's yeah. never too crowded. Um, Told you I wasn't Also, fun fact, actually, the eight, in the eight of diamonds, the negative space between the diamonds, actually, is an eight. Wow. Oh. Which is kind of cool. Also, the reason the backs and everything are very ornate is to stop you from being able to see through the card and cheat. Uh, yeah. And also, if there's any scratches or scuffs, it's harder to see. So, not cheating. That's such a thing, isn't it, when there's like... A slightly bent card or a yeah. card that's got like a chocolate smudge on it. Yeah. And then you know. Yeah, oh yes. And that's why actually in casinos, they, chocolate the smudge. longest a pack of cards will last in a casino will be about 12 hours, but they usually get changed. If it's a busy table, they get turned over every hour. Wow. And they get removed from the casino and replaced with a fresh pack. Because of tiny little... Anything. Wow. That could really? have maybe scuffed them or whatever. Yeah, I would be looking for that in that casino. Well, what are you saying? It. Like if a card is scuffed a half a millimetre... That it uh... well, someone might know that that's the like eight of diamonds. So when it's face down, they can start to change their game. Golly, you've got to be so on it to play in casinos. I've never been into one really, which is really out of character for me. Yeah, me neither. Maybe we should go together. Yeah, I'd love to because I think you'd (laughs) you'd never see us again. But you'd be good at reining me in. Mm. Although I think I could lead you astray. It depends. I've been to this. (laughs) Come on, hit me. Hit me! <laughs> yeah, I can see you getting lost in there, Jelly. My French godfather, my dad was telling me that he went into a casino, I think in Paris, and, oh no, it can't have been in Paris because it must have been quite a small casino, but ended up winning so much that they had to shut the casino <laughs> for the evening <laughs> because he'd, he'd, like, he'd just he'd beaten the casino. Wow. Yeah, That's amazing. Great. I've been to this one in Leicester Square twice and it's... Pretty depressing, actually. You know what? I've been into that one, but I haven't played. No, I just God, went I haven't straight played. to the top because oh, it was the only place I could like drink. That dragon <laughs> room with like a private dragon room where the real serious dogs go. 
Oh my god. Wow. That's so scary. I just feel like whenever you see it in films, it's like terrifying. Yeah. But this is like way more depressing than any I've even seen depicted in, in the movies. Like in, in, you know, when people go to Vegas, yeah. it seems it can get serious for sure. But people are there for a bit of fun. When you go into this one, it just feels like it's quite sad, really. Yeah. Like it feels grimbo. And it's got that funny feeling that it doesn't really matter what time of day it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, but they, they do keep that the lights on, don't they? Yeah, so spooky. That you lose track of time. I and find that spooky, spooky. Yeah, and they pump like, like fresh oxygenated air in to keep to make sure that you stay awake and you you just want to keep playing. <laughs> That's quite nice though. Yeah, but it is a tactic to keep you there. I know, but <laughs> no, it's like the, the the bakery smell they blast out in the supermarket. Mm. See, if they put that in casinos, you wouldn't get me out of there. Bring us back to playing cards. This was the bit that interested me the most. Most. <laughs> <laughs> the most. Um, <laughs> so, there's a lot of theories about, like, why is it structured in this way? Why are there 52 cards? Why are there four suits? Yada, yada, yada. And this is the best one. Um, so, the two colours, they represent the two parts of a day where you have day and night of a 24-hour cycle. The four suits correspond to the four seasons mm. of spring, summer, fall, fall, autumn. <laughs> Can't believe you said fall. And winter. I actually meant to change that when I was typing this up, slash copying it across. Copy and, and paste. Hey. Busted. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, the 13 cards in each suit correspond to the 13 weeks in each quarter and to the 13 lunar cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, the 12 court cards correspond to the 12 months in a year and the 52 cards in a deck correspond to the 52 weeks. Also, if you add up all the values of the cards in a deck, so that's also Jack being, you know, 10, no, 11 for Jack, 12 for Queen, 13 for King. And then you add one Joker, it's 365 days of the year. Wow, and 366 what? with both Jokers for a leap year. This is crazy. This is amazing. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Bananas. When and this... even if it's just a complete coincidence. What, that's what bananas coincidence? in itself. I love it. Yeah, Gibson. Gibson. God, that is really, really (laughs) quite something. Quite a coincidence we have on our hands, if it is indeed. Yeah, but I feel like in those medieval kind of times, people were hot on this shit. And they didn't have much else to do. (laughs) Yeah. But but do stuff. (laughs) Except they were having to hand draw their cards and mop up their periods with rags. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they were doing. I think they had more to do. Well, thank you. That was fascinating. That was great, Marie. Yeah, I loved that. My pledge. Are we ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I feel pumped. So you know what a pen pal is, of course. Um, It's someone with whom you keep regular contact, generally, traditionally via what people refer to as snail mail. Although in recent years... There's been some kind of decline in the in the snail mail methods. The snail mail is sorry, sent, yeah, like let, written let, letters. Let, written letters by post, physical paper, yep. lovely paper. Basildon Bond. Mm. I actually whipped out my Basildon Bond this week. Now, but, what's a Basildon Bond? Basildon Bond is a, a stamp. I do uh, paper. Uh, paper for ah, letter writing. I see. So yeah, traditionally pen pals were someone that you wrote to via the post and. More commonly, someone that you haven't met before. So someone you don't actually know, but you exchange letters with. Since the rise of the internet and the ease with which we can reach out to God knows who and God knows where, so much more easily, there's been 
a decline as you would expect. But there did seem to be a little bit of a revival during the pandemic because people had less to do and there was something a bit more intimate and less pressured about writing letters to someone than just constantly being on your phone. It provides a different sort of connection, which we will come on to. But just to open up, have either of you ever had a pen pal? I think that we were forced to have them at school at one point. Were they French um, abroad, I was going to ask? Yeah, but I think it was over email and email was very clunky in those days. Yeah, I think it was part of like our IT lessons. Right. And I'm kind of thinking now, maybe I wasn't chatting to like some French girl and maybe the teachers were just replying. Oh my Lord, Um, maybe. But wait, first of all, wouldn't that be your French lesson rather than your IT lesson? I think it was more about getting to grips with email than anything else. Really? So you think the teachers were replying? (laughs) No, 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 I don't know. No, hopefully, I think it was a French child. But I think also we only had like three interactions. It wasn't a proper, proper one. Sort of bonjour, bonjour. Yeah, je m'appelle, my je pastime me preferi you know, blah 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 <laughs> I mean really French. it's better to not <laughs> you might have had more of a connection if you'd been speaking to someone who you could communicate with yes yeah but one it does seem to be a common theme that initially the concept became popular as people students were encouraged to reach out to people in different countries and learn about culture well that's lovely And did you, Jelly, have a pen pal? I'm thinking similar to Marika in that I think we had them for some reason at my primary school. I have some wafts, some (laughs) wafts of memories about pen pals. And then I think at my secondary school, we did a German exchange. And before we met each other, we wrote to each other and told each other about our lives and stuff as like in preparation for them then coming to Salisbury and then us going to Berlin. How old were you at this point, do you think? That was 15, 16. Okay, so quite old That's enough to say a very long some... time ago. 15, 16? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's quite old in the scheme of things. Like 15, 16, I think, is when you're a bit self-conscious and maybe oh, not yeah. taking things that seriously and perhaps finding writing to another 15, 16 year old, a bit embarrassing. Well, I guess that was probably a similar thing in that it was a lang, that would have been a language thing where maybe I would have written in German and she would have written in English. Which covers all manner of sins, really, doesn't it? Yeah. But obviously her English was impeccable and my German was... Scheiser. Scheiser. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, pen pals now, if people are are doing it, it's, it's like an antidote to modern life. And it's a different way of communicating. It's slower. It's kind of like, what's the equivalent thing? It's people... A meditation app. A meditation, I suppose. (laughs) Kind of going back to an (laughs) archaic form of doing something that that you needn't do anymore. But it's nice because it's a bit more considered and it Mm. takes... It's a bit more thoughtful. So, yes, you can see the appeal. And one person who can most certainly see the appeal is a woman called Liz Maguire. <laughs> now, Lizzie Maguire? No, just Liz. <laughs> okay. oh, Liz Maguire. She is a an American woman, but she lives in Dublin. And at the last count, she had over 80 pen pals. Wow. wow. Which sounds a little bit more like a condition to me yeah. than, a, than a hobby. <laughs> but um, <laughs> she started out collecting historical letters, obviously a bit of a fan of the written word. And then 
something got her on to writing doing the pen pal thing and then the pandemic kicked in and it was just this new thing she absolutely took to it like a duck to water and she enjoyed kind of forging these connections with different people and then she started writing people birthday cards as well and she said that people started saying to her oh your birthday card was only the second acknowledgement I had that day so it's like I think it feels as if she she thinks it's some kind of public service right which I feel kind of moves away from the point of pen pal ship mm. as mm. far like my own interpretation. Pen pest. Pen pest. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, it's quite sweet. I'm sure those letters mean the world to the people that receive them. But wouldn't, I mean, personally, if I was a recipient of a letter, it might lose its meaning a bit if I knew 80 other people were receiving mm. The letter too. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm being. Is it? The, it's not the, surely the same letter. No, no. I just a a letter. Personal. She said. God. She can whip job. through. No, she said her evenings and weekends are the busiest time, and she can get through sort of four or five, four pages. Wow. Like in a day. So it's a lot of time. Four or five four pages. Yeah. Okay. So she's right. So that's like over twenty pages. But what's she writing? Well, it could be absolutely anything. If she's could... spending her evenings and weekends doing this, what is she writing about? Yeah. Like, she's got nothing going on. But it could be very, like, this is the point of pen pals. You don't have, it, you can re- literally write about anything. And I, I was thinking about it if I were to sit down and write a letter now to someone, which I was, this is why I got my basled and bond out, because I was thinking of writing to my dear friend who lives in France. Yes. And I thought, let's just do this again. We used to write each other a lot of cards. And I thought, what would I write about? I probably wouldn't write about what was going on in my day because that's the most boring stuff. You could literally write about anything. It's true, yeah. Yeah. Once you start, I think more stuff would come up than you automatically think about. And I think maybe that's a sign of how what we text each other is so often just to do with exactly what's going on. Yeah. Whereas letters invite a slightly more... Narrative arc. Yeah, maybe Romance. like you know they yeah they open up so much. They're just musings on absolutely anything. Once you get the ball rolling, but I don't think I've ever written a musing letter. I would say that texts are more similar to musings. Yeah, less considered. Yeah, because it's so immediate. You can be like, but I guess what I'm saying is a text is more real time. It's a reaction to something that you see or has happened. Yeah, true. And you go, oh my god, this thing just happened, or look yeah. at this, ha ha ha. Yeah. But a letter is more like. You're not re- responding to anything immediate, yeah. So it, it's a slightly more like amusing. Not, not. It's not. It's <laughs> and not in the sense that it's amusing, but it is amusing. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps you're more selective over, or the or the information is actually more has more to it than like look at that big hen. Big who who who? <laughs> big hen. Oh, you know, like. I'm just yeah, thinking. I know what you mean. So, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> anyway, um, the origins of pen pal ship. Obviously, people have written to each other letters since the dawn of paper uh, <laughs> and pens. But as a kind of uh, a more organised format, the first that we know of is 1936, and something called the Student Letter Exchange was 1936. This is what I mean. It's not the first time people wrote letters to people, okay, but yeah, it's yeah. the first time 
that Wikipedia... Actually, this wasn't even on Wikipedia. It's the first time that some website was on noted that like a service was set up with the aim to match people. Okay. Right, OK, and, yeah. Um, because that, in the modern sense, pen pals, there are all sorts of different platforms online whereby you can find someone who has shared interests or you know speaks a language that you want to speak and then you can be paired up with them so the student letter exchange was set up in 1936 and it the idea was to encourage students to broaden their cultural horizons by um by exchanging letters with someone in a foreign language so that's kind of what you two were doing mm. And then in 1964, Parker Pen, you know Parker, who yeah. made the pens, they oh, yeah. um, they launched their own scheme, which was the first one to connect people using computers. So even though the the people themselves were actually writing physical letters, it was like a modern concept that they used computers to figure out who you kind of matched with. Oh, I see. But yes, pen pal schemes have then since been set up in prisons and care homes and with like cancer patients as a way of creating support for people who might be lacking it for whatever reason. And one account by this woman that I read who writes to a pen pal, she had had cancer a couple of years ago and talked about how invaluable the support that she had from her family was and wanted to make sure that someone going through it alone basically didn't feel like they were insignificant. So she writes to this woman who lives by herself and is uh, being treated for cancer. And if it weren't for that, this woman basically would have no support. Wow. Which I thought, actually, I mean, I had two Guinnesses when I was reading this last night, but I was almost brought to tears. It's yeah. quite like the idea of there. there's something so intimate about reading a letter yeah. versus a phone call even sometimes. It's like someone is, it's like this private thing that you can hold and someone is speaking to you and you know that they wrote it with their hand and they took time to do it. I just think it's very touching, really. Yeah. Also, it's there for... Well, unless it gets damaged, but it's so solidified, as in it's just there. And you can keep it in and a you can box. Exactly, yeah. yeah. In a way that you can't keep a phone call. And they can be discovered and passed down and found. Yeah, As yeah. opposed to... I you know, don't think anyone's going to be looking through my emails after I die no all my texts they should yeah they should there's some great ones from you in there yeah, I'm sure there are <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a, a many many examples on the internet if you're interested of people who have been pen pals for years and years finally meeting but there were these two women who met up just this summer just in August they'd been writing to each other for 68 years wow we've got Patsy Gregory from the UK and we've got Caroline Krauss from America and they started writing to each other in 1955 and estimate that they've written 800 letters over the course of their life. Wow. And they kind you know they confided in one another through everything. They got how, mar- how old were they when they started writing? Do you know? Oh god, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But I think so but they would I think I'm assuming they were teenagers because okay. it charts their young adulthood then they both got married, like one year apart from each other. Then they each had three children. I was hoping they were going to be lesbians. Well, they could well be. True. Um, a lot of gay energy flying around with that. <laughs> what, these 800 letters? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this summer, Patsy's family So come on, what? this is ridiculous. We're taking you to America to meet Carol. Carol Ann, sorry. And so they flew her over to South Carolina 
and finally the pair met oh. and they said it was just like they'd been together last week and that oh. tends to be how it is anyway south carolina brings me on to my own pen pal oh we didn't ask you <laughs> when i was i think eight or nine basically my brother got a pen pal who lived in South Carolina. And how did he get his pen pal? He got his pen pal because a woman who lived in the village that we lived in had taught this boy, like she'd gone to America and done some tutoring. And she had introduced him to my brother. He wanted to chat to some like-minded people his age. He was homeschooled. Okay. And they lived in a, I'm guessing not that rural, but, you know, they lived on a, a kind of farm, a big farm, in South Carolina. Ranch. A ranch, yeah, a ranch, or like a whatever. Ranch. <laughs> ranch. <laughs> they lived a on a ranch. ranch. And uh, so he was introduced to my brother and they they exchanged uh, emails, this was, not, not snail mail. And then my brother went to visit them. He had a jolly old time. And then it was just kind of decided, well, this pen pal of my brother had two younger brothers who were my sister and my age. So it was like, Come on, everyone, do your email writing, which I found pretty boring from what I can remember. Like, it became apparent to me fairly quickly that I didn't have much in common with my pen <laughs> how, pal. How old were you? So I was like eight or nine. Oh, I mean, we were hard, having yeah. pretty, like, brief exchanges. So you know what happens next? We all bloody go to South Carolina to meet these people. This is one of the strangest things. Weren't your that... par- like, why, like, wouldn't your parents have been like, I don't want to go hang out with these random... People. This is what's so shocking. And you know my parents. Yeah. They are probably the last people on earth who would think, let's all go to South Carolina to meet some pen pals. Yeah. Why? Why? It's just so difficult for me to understand how this happened. <laughs> and it did. It did happen. And we went there for three weeks. That is Did insane. you stay with them? We stayed with them and then we did some like other bits, but with them all the time. Anyway. Maybe your parents owed them some money or something. Maybe they were swinging. <laughs> Maybe they were swinging. Oh, I don't think they were. Imagine if that was the plot twist. Christ, what lengths they went to. Um, <laughs> Bring the kids. <laughs> yeah. We'll make a day of it. Perfect. We'll, we'll make three, three weeks We'll make of nearly it. a month of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we get there. All of my hunches are correct about my pen pal. I loathed him from the off. Oh. And... On day two, he said, I feel like you don't like me. Oh, the and worst. And that really, you know, that, that was a nail in the coffin. So it was three interesting weeks for me. Um, what did you respond? I can't remember what I said, but I probably was like, <coughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, bloody hell, they visited us. Oh, my God. How long did they stay at yours for? I think they stayed for two weeks. What is going Mama on? Mia. I mean, it really is one of the strangest things that. That still doesn't explain why your parents. I think why you ended up in the going I, to North South Carolina. In I the think first what place. happened is my brother went and had like a cool time doing fun outdoorsy stuff on a holiday in America. Yeah, and then my parents, because we were not the kind of like they didn't take us to Disneyland or anything that was like aimed at children having fun. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough camp. No, it was just, it wasn't in their nature to do stuff that was like, let's go and do something fun for the kids. Fun for the kids. But I, I wonder if they had some sort of midlife crisis and thought, 
this will be a really fun thing. Well, it's, it's just the three weeks yeah. that gets me in the gizzard. I mean, it's, yeah. lo- it's a lovely thing that they did for their children. Well, but- is it? I don't no, a I mean, huge sacrifice. As an adult, sacrifice three weeks yeah. with two other adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know. Yeah, Hang I on. They, think so the middle else. week, the other adults weren't there. My parents took us and the other children to the Smoky Mountains. Oh, what happened there? Uh, we stayed in a cabin. Insane. And they hated it. They fucking hated it. Yeah, of course they fucking did. <laughs> but, then they, but then they also said yes to having them back. Well, you have to, don't you? I mean... You're locked in. And as you British will, but, people... Yeah, you will note that we stayed there three weeks. They stayed in England two. for two. I'm sure there was some hustling done to make sure that was not a three-week visit. Yeah. It was revealed to me on this trip that my pen pal had a crush on me. <gasps> oh, of course he did. You don't like me. Oh, it was awful. Awful. And how was that revealed? My brother told me with the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> so, yes, I have had a pen pal. And, uh, yes, you have. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, what were they thinking? I mean, I love you, mum and dad, but it was a funny time. Um, I think it could be a wonderful Agreed. and meaningful exchange. Yes. I think there's something, uh, because we're so... We, we've been made uninnocent by the internet... Pen pals now seem like a very sweet sort of yeah thing to engage in without the um, threat of sex. The threat of sex, yeah, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, but I like the idea of it being a stranger that you sort of form this. Well, I suppose a stranger's just a friend you haven't made yet. Yeah, but I do think also maybe the appeal is I don't know about you, but you can sometimes be more frank with a stranger yeah, than you can be sure. with the people in your everyday life yeah, and it's so like musings might be a little more musical, musical that's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier yeah. it's like there's a slight lucidity to it as if you've stepped outside of your body and your everyday life and you're just like whoa yeah I can imagine the sort of potency of striking up a rapport with a pen pal but then I do think there needs to not be that threat of sex yeah because otherwise it there's all feel- always a threat of sex but is no, there? No, there's not. There is. Not, not I even if it's just so. a drop in the ocean. What, are you saying that two little girls writing to each <laughs> <Okay>. other? From- <laughs> don't make me out to be a nonce. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that. But I think as an adult, like, I'm sorry, but Carol Ann from Caroline, <laughs> South Carolina and... If anything, I think Patsy Peggy, was Peggy more Beige. was more was it Peggy Beige? Patsy who? <laughs> Patsy, pa- Patsy from the UK was more keen on at Carol Ann. Right, but there is a, there was a sexual threat there for but sure. There, but, <laughs> no, but, there, but, but friendship friendships are just can sexual. Be equal, no, <laughs> can be equally as potent as sexual relationships. Yes, no, that's very ways. true. Yeah. and and as important. How are we doing for time? Oh, 31 minutes. <gasps> threat of sex. Threat of sex. Threat of sex. Threat of sex. Thank you for joining us for episode P of A is for. Join us next week. Join us next week when we'll be spooking out for Halloween. Forever and ever, we stay in my heart. (laughs) I am spooky.